I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. He's Stone Rock. He's Graham Funky. We're the captains of industry. And you're listening to Rebel Radio. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh. Fuck you, Josh. You didn't sell the line, man. But that's like, uh, like he's flicking my ear and I'm just like, fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show that features new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. And my guest this week is Graham Funky and Stone Rock, aka the Captains of Industry. Uh, they're going to show you how to market yourself as a DJ. They've definitely set the bar for marketing and promotions among DJs. Um, they also show us how to keep it fun and serious at the same time. They got some great stories, and it's obvious they're having a lot of fun. We don't really talk about it, but uh, if you pay attention, you can just see the dynamic between the two of them, how they complement each other. It's, um, it's definitely a good combination. I'm excited to share it with you right after our EDM.com track of the week. Stop. 
WDMA with I Walk Alone, the EDM.com track of the week. Get over to EDM.com, check out new music right after this interview with the Captains of Industry. So you guys are good at the, the marketing shit, like it. The we, logos and the, we, and the we, yeah, promo we, items, and you guys kill it with that. We, you know, we, uh, I mean, honestly, just to track it back was, uh, I mean, DJing, was such an, I don't, don't want to say a novel concept early on because we took it seriously, but, like, yeah. there wasn't a lot of DJs in the 90s in L.A. Sure. Or early 2000s, for that matter, and yeah. now it's this thing that's hard to create a context to explain to a 21-year-old, for instance. Totally. But um, there was a time where, okay, so... DJs are getting some notice, so you could implement marketing strategies that you wouldn't associate with DJing yeah. into DJing. Yeah. Promo items being an example, which now it's, you know, it goes hand in hand with nightlife. But at the time, it wasn't just you could have something simple, a T-shirt, like yeah. we did on our first tour uh, with a five-four clothing we did, mm-hmm. and then we're like, okay, well anybody can make the T-shirt, so. Brass belt buckle is an example. We did a calendar with Red Bull, mm. you know, and the calendar was illustrations of us. We had decided we want to do a calendar, say, okay, let's choose a, a date in the month that's not an obvious one, like Halloween. Um, and we will uh, conceptualize a way to, 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 uh, to demonstrate it, but we'll have it illustrated like a James Bond poster. Mm-hmm. So we, as an example, National Aviation Day. Well, that illustration is a violent water landing with a plane sinking and people dying, but we're in a lifeboat yeah. with our Louis Vuitton luggage, and he's holding a shih tzu, and I'm actually pushing a guy who's trying to get in out of the boat, yeah. and we're sipping champagne. <laughs> so this Amazing. calendar, people are like, so you made a calendar? I go, yeah. And then they go, okay, well, what does it take to make a calendar? Well, it takes $23,000 to make a calendar. Yeah. You know, it's, so we're just yeah, trying yeah. to... It was all part of elevating the persona and the image and uh, the way you present yourself. Mm-hmm. And by no means did we invent yeah, promo no, items calendars. for DJings right. or calendars. Like, I'm sure guys were doing promo items. Because that's before. why I wanted to do the interview, the, the inventors of the calendar. Yeah, that we can talk about that all day long. Sure. I'm pretty sure we're the first DJs to do a calendar. I don't doubt it. Um, and maybe the only. Uh, but, like, putting your logo on... Uh, a lighter is yeah. not that interesting. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. It's totally disposable. Whereas the calendar, where we thought, oh, this is amazing because we're going to get 12 months of promotion. It yeah. sits in someone's office. It's you send actually, it to the bookers, the agents, yeah, yeah. the nightclubs. It sits in their office for an entire year. It's actually been years of promotion because people, right. I know people that have... Yeah, you collect it. Well, no, they have it on their wall and they just reprint the date oh, really? so that it's... Because we did it in 2013, 2014, sell refills. Yeah, well, right. we, we don't like to repeat the gag. <laughs> right. We like to do the gag once yeah. and then on to the next one. Because everyone was like, are you going to do another calendar? I was like, no, we did that one already. We're going to do the next, yeah. the next Plus, one. you could buy a car. Or Plus, have you could buy yeah, a car yeah. for 23. <laughs> sure. I could buy a Tesla <laughs> so, for $23,000. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <clears throat> no, that's a good point. And it's funny, you know, I, uh, we work with brands kind of. Yeah, sure. We do this. And um, 
and we have the same conversation, right? Is like send some shit that people that's useful to them, that's going to entertain them, it's going to provide some value. Well, and the, and right? the, Don't just put your logo on. So, by the way, do you have the Rebel Radio lighters for these guys? <laughs> the thing is, I'll use it. So weak. <laughs> I'll use it. But no, why not make it a conversation piece? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We exactly. did um, we did p- like peanuts, like airplane peanuts. And it was called Nuts for Your Mouth. <laughs> and it had the logo on it and it was gold foil. And we'd pass these out. And by no means do I want to eat the peanuts. And who knows if anybody even eats the peanuts. I have no idea. Right. But it was a promo item that will, people were like, okay, these are like airplane peanuts with yeah. the logo on it. It says Nuts for Your Mouth. Which was a, it, which was a, a, a counterpoint to our chapstick we did, which was called a stick for your lips. It was called the cap stick. Mm. And um, people have ripped that off since. We were giving these out. When we started Marquee during yeah. the first year in Vegas, so that was like our item. Um, but people have done it since then, like chapsticks or whatever. But how can you beat a caps stick? The caps stick. You can't. And the the cap, the actual cap of the the cap stick, because you know it's a, a, a decal, right? On, right, right, on right. a normal chapstick. Yeah. Ours was wood. It was wood paneled, like a wood paneled sticker <laughs> was the actual cap. We had there was so much oh, detail cool. that went into it. So. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to is the attention to detail, to tell you the truth. Which, I mean, even the logo. Isn't that true in everything? Yeah, someone just put something up like, um, oh, it was a meme. It was like, you know, uh, uh, someone says something and then your response and the person that said something was like, uh, you would have a better 2018 if... uh, if you weren't so, if you didn't pay attention to the grammatical errors or something like that, but uh-huh. then it was like an obvious grammatical error, like a your or this yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. That's and then the response was the this asterisk yeah. with the correction. Right, right, right. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, it's all about the details. Like, yeah. that's what makes something special. Like, uh, it used to drive me crazy when people are like, sent from my iPhone, excuse the typos. Yeah. How about you fucking proofread well, not just that before at you this, send it? Yeah. At this point, when I look at Twitter or whatever... And the fucking it, phone corrects it for you. It yeah, like, well, you now, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. push it and pick the right... Now letter. there's no excuse for yeah. The lack of punctuation <laughs> is it really sent a different yeah. uh, connotation of what you're trying to say. Like, I have to decipher it, and I don't want to have to decipher it. Right. Um, yeah, for people sure. People who are even educated, who I'm like, okay, you know better. Like, punctuate. Punctuate. Yeah. Like, get your intention across. Because intention is everything, you know? This is totally different than where I thought this conversation was going. Well, look, we... we uh, <laughs> you're either gonna get <laughs> we, got, we got grammar lessons. <laughs> you're going to get one of two things. Complaints about TSA. Complaints about <laughs> DJing. Complaints about hotels. Complaints about Trump. The thing is, you can't Pick change any of those things. So the complaints are pointless. That's true. As you can't yeah, change that's... TSA, you can't change DJ, you can't change Trump, you can't do any of this stuff. So. Thanks for good radio. Sometimes it feels good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I should have said this uh, when you got here, but I'm excited to have you guys. Excited uh, to be here. I've been, you know, knowing about you for years and heard a lot of your mixes and Appreciate you know, love that. what you guys do. And Allison has been a big champion of the show. Uh, so right on. You know, I'm glad she put us together. Yeah, we Shout just like to have Allison. a good time. Yeah, I thought she was coming, but she has better things to do. That's cool. I guess. Sit here with us. I mean, people <laughs> have real jobs in LA. Not many, but people do have real jobs. It's the worst. Come it's on. Your problem. Yeah. Yeah. What's the matter with you? What are you doing? That's so important. There's nothing. No. No doubt. Um, well, what did you want to talk about? No, this is good. I like it. Okay. Just random. Okay. Random musings. Um, I want to know. I always like to know how it starts. Which part? Well, uh, let's go way back to just loving music. Do you remember, like, the first records that just turned you on? 
I uh, I grew up with uh, Stanley Clark's son. Stanley mm. Clark is, for those who don't know, uh, maybe the best jazz, best bassist ever. He's a jazz bassist, but maybe yeah. the best bassist ever. I don't know. Um, so I grew up with him and, uh, hanging out in the studio and seeing people come in and I was exposed to music that way. Um, my mom was a model and single mom and had a lot of gay friends who would look after me and they would have dance parties and I was exposed to music that way. So, uh, I, it was never like, um, I was never uh, conscious about it, but I was always being blasted with music. So do you remember a record that like, so you're around jazz, you're around yeah. disco or whatever, yeah. right? Do you remember something being, you realizing this is my music? Um, I can't pinpoint it to one thing. I do remember that I gravitated towards DJing because it appeared to me at the time, I was 11 or 12, mm -hmm. it appeared to me at the time that it was a very technical thing. Mm. And I'm, I've always been drawn to technical things, like putting Legos together. Mm -hmm. They have to be put together just so, or um, um, whatever, whatever the thing was. Yeah, so I was drawn attention to, to detail. Yeah, the, the, the details. Yeah. Um, so I was drawn to it not even knowing what it was really. Um, and then I kind of figured it out on my own because DJing is just math, just counting in fours. Mm. And I was good at math, so I was able to figure out, oh, this is just counting in fours. I got this. Uh, and I, Except when you get that three-four signature. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that wasn't happening in 1991, 1992. No, of course it was. Um, uh, so then, uh, yeah, so then I just taught myself how to DJ and I was just kind of doing it if you came to my house, you knew I had turntables, but I wasn't the kid in high school like, I'm a DJ, but right. it wasn't. I don't think was, that concept really existed. It was always a side thing, not a identity. Well, I remember uh, in high school, I went to a house party and the kid who was in Dick Tracy, uh, oh, wow. whatever me, his name is, like the young kid does in Dick Tracy, he was rabbit ears DJing the party <laughs> and at this point I had been DJing for a long time so I had a grasp on what it was supposed to be yeah. and I'm like no this guy's not doing it right. like like I know what it is yeah. and this guy's not doing it and I, even then I was not like you're not doing it correctly or even telling people like this guy sucks what was your what was the first gig you played my first gig ever of all time was at the Roxbury which is now uh -huh. Pink Taco yeah uh, on Sunset yeah um, uh, a f good family friend uh, who I guess is an uncle of sorts. Um, his son was a DJ, DJ Five Star. Okay. And he was, at, I became friends with him and uh, in turn became friends with Cool Whip and Cool Whip was playing at Roxbury and I was like, hey, do you think I can come play some records? Mm. Uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, I guess. You know, he's never heard me DJ and at the time you kind of had to get like put on right. and co-sign and all that. Yeah. 
but like, you know, if you don't ask, well, how's it supposed to happen? Sure. And um, so he let me get on and I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my set ready and it's gonna be super heady and I'm gonna like really teach these people what needs to happen. And I did some weird, like obscure East Coast, West Coast battle uh, uh, call and response thing. Yeah. And it was fine and it worked because I think at the time people were more tolerant about the obscure stuff. Sure. Uh, but it, there was also 1,500 people kind of just like, eh, whatever's happening is happening, I guess. Yeah. They, they weren't super excited drink? about it. Yeah. And then when I, afterwards, I was like, all right, so I don't think that worked the way it, it was going to play so out. So you realized that right then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, could, I could tell that it yeah, was not. Yeah, there's too many variables yeah, it was not going in. Yeah. Not to mention back then, you know, um, people at a nightclub or venue, whatever, might take their cues from the DJ. Yeah. Whereas now, the DJ's got to take their cues from the crowd. I mean, that's the stakes are different, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why I came out of it unscathed because people would go to places want wanting to experience whatever was going to happen. Uh -huh. Whereas yeah. now, I have to adjust to what is happening. So, the, can you can you think of the moment when that changed? Bottle service. Yikes! Yeah, bottle service. Bottle service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that you know that opened up the floodgates. It allowed everybody to make money, which right. is nice, yeah. uh, us included. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, it opened up the floodgates for, um, you know, now you're monetizing everything. Right. Um, so you really have to, and, and not <clears throat> and not just that. It's also we're in an era where you can listen to any song you want, whenever you yeah, want, yeah, sure. as many times as you want. Whereas that wasn't always the case. So in this very um, in a in a in a society where everything's present and immediate, yeah. there's people who are like, well, okay, I want to hear this. Yeah. I want to hear it right now. And you, not that you have to service that, but you have to be aware of it. Uh -huh. You know, it's the context. Yeah. So yeah. you really have to. Um, obviously, the job of the DJ is to pay attention to the crowd and create a dialogue with them. But yeah. now there's a little more back and forth. Like right. they want a certain thing, or they're expecting a certain thing. In fact. Even on the management level of a nightclub, you know, might be in a place, and as soon as you make a left turn, uh, an assistant GM who, you know, doesn't necessarily know anything about music, yeah. he just knows it's different from what he's used to every single weekend. Yeah, he's yeah. coming up like, what's going on? You know, like, easy, buddy. It's going to be 60 seconds, 90 seconds. I'm just, like, doing me or whatever, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, so there's a whole lot of different uh, parts, moving yeah. parts, as opposed to the old days where, I mean, for instance, if Jay-Z put out a single in 1997 or whatever, they're sending six copies to Los Angeles of that single. Right. Most of them are going to radio, some are going to DJs. Fresher than the next bitch. No need for you to ever sweat the next bitch. With speed, I make the best bitch see the exit. Indeed, you gotta know you're thoroughly respected. By me, you get the keys to the Lexus. But no driving, got your own 96 something. The ride and keep your ass tight up in Versace. That's why you gotta watch your friends, you got to watch me. They can now be shit the first chance to crack for bank. They'll try me all to get is 50 cent francs. And we'll buy us from the village to the family. Time to kill it on your belly. No question. If you wanna hear the song, you're either gonna hear it on the radio when they play it, or go to the club where the DJ who happens to have the single has it to play, and that's the only time you're gonna hear that record, right? Yeah. It's just not that anymore. Yeah, you yeah. Know, Future <laughs> records a song at 8, 8 p.m., and at 9 p.m., it's it's on the internet, 
and the people in the club are like, do you have the new feature? I'm like, mm -hmm. you got a new song out? <laughs> you know, how am I supposed to? <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. It's just sure. different. There's so many different reasons for why yeah, that, that's that is to answer your question. It's not just that, but that is, I would say that was a component that began a lot of it, you know? It's funny. It reminds me of, of when Napster first came out. Or I, you know, I first learned about Napster. Like, I had a yellow pad with, like, records that I couldn't find. And I was, like, a not a very good digger. But, I, but you know, I had, I had a list, probably 10 pages of records that I just hadn't found in the store. And, I, and it, you know, every time I would go to a city or whatever, I'd go look for those records. And, and it's hard to get MP3s back then, too, or CDs. Either, yeah, yeah, right? for sure. So for sure. If someone had ripped... Yeah, one of those records to an MP3. It, it was a, a blessing. You could find it on Napster. Yeah, um, you know. So yeah, I get yeah. it. I totally get it. Yeah, you had that moment of like, I got to get everything right now because just to hear it. I may never get it again. Yeah. You, know? you know. Yeah, it's, it's Graham. What's sense. what's the first record you bought? Do you remember? I I don't remember what record I bought. I mean, obviously, I was buying tapes when I was a kid. Yeah. But in terms of like DJing, DJing, like yeah, buying just any, vinyl any... to DJ, I don't remember. Well, Could early tapes would were. I mean, I remember having like the time ice cream castles, yeah. you know, it was an early one. Obviously, yeah. Michael Jackson Thriller, that was an early one. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm being, uh, those are things you would have bought because you're a kid and you're influenced by what they're pushing, right? Yeah. Um, Purple Rain. Yeah. Um, when you start to like find your own taste as you get into your teenage years, I mean, I ran the gamut. And I mean, um, some people will stick with a genre, but I think it, people who are geared towards DJing, they realize that there's a, a, connect, a connective tissue with all kind of music, you yeah. know? There's a through line. So, I mean, even DJing, I think at its very basic roots, it, it's open format DJing. Mm -hmm. The guys that, that developed this, you know, cool herc in them, they weren't thinking of, I'm just playing one kind of music. Right. They were looking for all kinds of music. So yeah. DJing intrinsically is open format DJing. Sure. You know, now we, this guy plays drum and bass, this guy plays hip hop, whatever. But yeah. the very nature of DJing is open format DJing, which is what we, we do, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you were clubbing in the 80s, which which I was, there. How old are you? <laughs> 73. They had, they had clubs in the 80s. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, so I'm. You know, but in high school, we sure, were going to clubs sure, yeah. in the 80s. And Did you go up here? Uh, San Francisco, <clears throat> which is amazing. I, I, I lived up in the 90s. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I mean, the, the DJ culture and, and no doubt. you know, South of Market and nightclub culture and at that time was yeah. incredible. And uh, But, you know, for the most part, there were no formats, right? It was all open format. Right. You know, yeah. and I remember, you know, I remember running into Doc Martin down here sure. when he was a big house DJ. Yeah. But I had gone to his clubs in the '80s, and he was playing disco and funk and hip hop, and just because well, it's all related. Okay. Yeah, know, if you're geared exactly. that way. I mean, uh, but when but I, something changed back then that all of a sudden everything. Well, got I think it has a lot format. to do with the record labels. Did I mean? Yeah. Uh, you go into a Tower Records in the '90s; they have it. Right. You know, it's sectioned off to yeah. make it easier to find records. Your service is a consumer, obviously. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people's tastes are have blinders because they can't break out of that compartmentalization of the music you know? yeah um 
And it, it, it continues today. You know, you go to Pandora or whatever, Spotify, like it has uh -huh. things, you know, sure. like this guy curates hip hop or whatever. Well, um, it does make it easier for our brains to, yeah, sure. to figure out, right? I think the, the problem is, right, so the record store, I always use that analogy because, you know, the, the store's only going to take one copy or one, they're only going to put your records in one place, right? right. They're not going to put you in the house and the soul and the, like all the things that may be on your record. They're just going to pick one. And it's an approximation. Yeah. But it's a convenience for them and for the buyer, right, it, to it, simplify. It, they're trying to maximize the, uh, the potential to earn. I mean, yeah. you want to put it where it's going to sell the most copies, right? For sure. It's a consumer-driven business. Yeah. We would be an adult contemporary. <laughs> I would be an adult contemporary. I'd be in world music. <laughs> I'd be in the bargain bin. In Germany, the hip-hop section is uh, known as the black music yeah. section, yeah, which yeah. is really fresh. For sure. I was there, and I'm like... Yeah, you can't do that here. What? Black music? Right. Like, oh, it's hip-hop. I go... You're okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> like, can't you just call it hip-hop? Right. I feel like that translates. For but sure. um, you brought up Doc Martin and, um, you know, pointing out club culture that I grew up with, which would be early 90s Los Angeles when I was a kid. Yeah. He was a techno DJ. Yeah. And he was only that because at those clubs we were going to, they had a techno room, mm -hmm. which meant all manner of electronic music. Mm -hmm. And then the chill room or funk room, right. which is where I spend most of my time. But yeah. Even though uh, in the techno room, I wouldn't, looking back on that music, I wouldn't consider it techno. Like Crystal Waters no. is not techno. But like it was the techno room. Yeah. And the, the funk room, even that, even like a very free environment like these clubs we were going to in downtown L.A., even that needed mm -hmm. categorization. For you know sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's, yeah, it's, a, I don't know, I think we have this weird relationship, we collectively, with like labels. Because everyone, everyone hates it when it's applied to them, but yet they serve a purpose, right? And we And we need these things to guide us because otherwise... You know, you start from zero every time and, and it becomes impossible to make a decision. Well, I mean, you know, you get, if I talk, if someone asks me, the topic comes up that I DJ. Yeah. Most people are going to say, well, what kind of music? And right. it's uninformed because of course. I've done every I've done everything and can do everything. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we, d we did the Country Music Awards one year. I mean, no way. Yeah, if you have the the skill set and then like a a basic knowledge of what needs to get done, you can get the job done. Yeah. But I've played the, you know, like the gulliest of hip hop clubs, and uh, performed with with rock band. I mean, I can do whatever needs to get done. I've thought about starting a night. I've done nights throughout the years, not consistently, but where we take a DJ that's known for one style and have him play something totally different, and. It's amazing. And most of those guys yeah. can, they love can it. figure it out. They, yeah. they always love it. I had to, uh, the, someone asked me, I forget what nightclub it was. Someone was like, hey, do you want to open for Bob Sinclair? Yeah.
And I'm like, I don't think I'm the guy to do that. And they're like, yeah, but like, do you want to just do it? Like, they didn't care and they didn't right. understand why I wasn't the guy. And I'm like, okay, they obviously don't give a fuck. Right. Uh, and was it your birthday? Whose birthday was it? I know whose birthday it was. Okay. It was someone's <laughs> birthday. So I was like, I was like, okay, let's, uh, uh, you don't have to pay me. Uh, I want a table yeah. near Bob Sinclair. Yeah. And I need like three bottles or something like that. Yeah. Like, just to have a good time. Yeah, done. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to open, like, what am I going to play for before this guy? I don't know what the fuck he plays. So I'm like, I'm just going to play like old house records. Like, uh -huh. I doubt he's going to play any like 80s and 90s house records. Right. <clears throat> so I'm playing whatever. He shows up. Uh, he says, well, hello. I go, is there anything that you need me, like, you hear what I'm doing. Is there anything you need me to stay away from? He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. Everything's pre-recorded anyways. I was like, <laughs> okay. Sure. But I got the job done and everyone was like, that was really great. I yeah. go, thanks, I guess. I just played house records that I wanted to hear. Like, I don't yeah. know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm not a house DJ. I just played records. But, you know. That was it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, like, to, like, the, uh, the uh, uh, mature uh, house ear, it was like, what is this guy doing? But, you know, these are Hollywood shitheads that don't know any better. They're just going hey, to see Bob Sinclair. They're like, man. oh, yeah. What? No, I'm joking. No, but these we, are Liz like 10 years ago. No, I know. It's okay. Yeah, those, those people have kids. and Exactly. They're, they're, their lives are ruined. They're not going out. They're right. not going to find me. They're not going to find me. Yeah. But there was always house records to play in, the, in a normal set as well, you know, yeah. as we were talking about. If you were playing in a funk room somewhere, you could work in those records and they would work, you know? Yeah. Um, One of my biggest problems, actually, when I first started playing out, because of the divide, either you play right. electronic records or you play hip hop records. At least in Los Angeles, that was there was a very, very strict divide. Yeah, um, I would catch heat because I was playing '80s records, right. I was playing disco records, yeah, I was playing yeah. rock records. I was playing some electronic records in the hip hop room. I was playing hip hop records, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm playing awesome music." What do you mean? Yeah, they're like, no, you got to play only hip hop. I go, "But why?" Like, everyone's having a good time, but, but why does it have to be that? It's so weird, though, and I'll, I'll call myself out. Like, so remember the party uh, when AM came home from the accident? At the, from the, at the, at the palace. Yeah, yeah we, we played that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we played yeah. There, yeah. yeah. So I remember AM playing towards the end of the night, and then he started with, like, whatever, and then he, he goes into this kind of EDM thing. I think he was geared towards that towards the end of his life. Yeah. He was very much in that trend. I remember. And I remember, and I, you know, AM DJed my, one of my first parties ever. And, uh, you know, I'd known him for a long time. And I remember thinking, what the fuck is this guy doing? And it's not even that I didn't like the music. I just wasn't expecting it from him. And it was just totally out of place. But that's not, it was me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I was just out of sync with where his head was at. And was expecting something totally different. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because, and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but uh, do we have a drum roll or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, there's a lot of people who say if he was still around, the, the EDM thing wouldn't have taken over, and it was, he would have saved it. And wow. If you're paying attention, he was very much going in that direction, and I don't yeah. think that it would open format would have persisted and staved off the EDM wave, I think right. he would have been part of it. He was already yeah. playing at the Insomniac events. Yeah. He was hanging out with, you know, Justice and Daft Punk and, and them on a, yeah. in a, in his social circle, right? 
Um, he's had banana split, which mm-hmm. is very much geared towards mm-hmm. that. And I think he, what he would have done is not sit there and said, oh, we're going to fight for the DJing. I think he would have put out right. an electronic record like 8-Track. Yeah. Honestly. No, I, think I think you're that, totally I think right. I, I, been, think, I, think, I think you're totally I think, right. Yeah, I think he would have uh, embraced it. He still would have been doing him. Yeah, uh-huh. no doubt. He would continue to do the DJ thing, yeah. but with this other con- Yeah, yeah. It would It would just right? be like like what everyone else did. Like it's like 80% when EDM sure. is a thing. 80% EDM, 20% the other stuff. And, you know, hope that no one screams at you. <laughs> For playing Joan Jett or whatever, <laughs> people still do it. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, that's you know I'll, you hear the, you hear a lot of people say it would have been X, Y, and Z, and uh. I think it would have been A, B, yeah, and C. Yeah, he. I mean, I, I will preface this by saying that he was a close friend of mine, and uh, I loved him, and we uh, shared a lot of uh, uh, likes, dislikes, and demons. Yeah. Uh, he was always just an insecure fat kid. Period. For sure. Even when he got skinny and yeah, was yeah, super I'm, famous, he was always an insecure fat kid. Totally. And if if the thing that was cool and would make him cool to people was playing these dance records, that's what he was going to do. Yeah. He was never going to um, he was never going to stray from what he knew and what was what was true to him. But also he he needed that adoration. Yeah. Um, so I do. That's that's the main reason why I think he would have he would have gone that route he would have gone to eat more dance well and that's an interesting thing and i had uh kevin kerslake and kevin scott on right sure. after the yeah, yeah. documentary came out and we talked a little bit about like this link between addiction and creativity right and uh, and uh, i think in a lot of ways for some people they're the same motivations but for both of those uh-huh. right it, it's 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 validation from outside Right, that drives you to uh, want to please people, right, or to or to want to um, seek uh, adoration, acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 right, and and it's the same things that cause you to medicate yourself. Sure. Right. Um, what is it for you guys that drives you? God, you know, I I I I look I look. Uh, I lament the days of just being in a dark corner playing the records. Like now that it's yeah. you're very much um, front and center with like a giant LED screen behind you all the time. Yeah. Um, I really look. I look back and go, man, I just loved it when you're just like read the room and service them as opposed to being the center of attention. Right. Or in fact, I mean, <coughs> half the time I think these kids think I'm cur- uh, curating a Spotify playlist up there. Uh-huh. I think they know, of course, what's going into it. And uh, that has a lot to do with what we were talking about earlier, but also that, you know, DJing doesn't require you to have a skill set necessarily anymore. In fact, people will downplay the, uh, the idea that you need to have a certain skill set. Yeah. You know? Hey, if you're enjoying this one, uh, let's go back into Rebel Radio Archives. Check out another DJ who's also great at marketing, my man DJ Vice. He was on last year. And he really shows us how to make it look easy. This dude works hard and uh, makes it fun. So I'm sure you'll enjoy that one after you enjoy this one. We were talking earlier about we can't save DJing. It is what it is. You yeah. just do you. But um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm uh, I didn't get into DJing for adoration because it didn't exist when right, I got right. into it. Yeah. You got into it because you liked music and you wanted to make people dance and you know maybe get some free drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it became something else entirely. 
And so when someone starts DJing tomorrow, and if I'm going to talk to them, I'm going to ask them what was their, what was the reasoning, what's the motivation to want to DJ? Is it because you can turn famous now, because you can turn rich now, or is it because you really love music and want to do something with it? Mm-hmm. And many DJs, and I'm using rabbit ears, um, they fall by the wayside. People who got into it, yeah. and, you know, falling off like a like what's that little thing for baby head and biblical cord, like the little thing falls out of their belly button eventually like it falls off you know because they just didn't have the thing yeah or this would be the part of the podcast where i start naming people don't do that but then he's like can we cut that out so i'm just not gonna name yeah people. i mean usually on the podcast there's <laughs> editing totally up to you guys. we need to redact certain yeah, things. yeah for sure but no i mean it's either because you just weren't cut out for it or the things that they thought they were going to get out of it it wasn't a, that easy. Yeah, to it get requires work. Things, the, when, you know? when your impetus is, isn't genuine, when it's not uh, for anything. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you become a photographer because you think you're going to get pussy, and then you just end up taking pictures of, of food plates at restaurants, <laughs> right. you're like, this sucks. Yeah. But if you genuinely like taking photographs, then it doesn't matter what the, right. what the f- picture is. You're doing exactly yeah, what you want to do. Most of the great yeah. actors will tell you the same thing. They go, what if you didn't have the success? They go, well, as long as I'm off-Broadway doing a thing, doing a show, that's what I'm here for, you yeah. know? So yeah. I think it goes into DJing as well. Not for everybody, but... Sure. Um, you know, which is why I'll, I'll go place a, a small place like the Dime down the street here. Yeah. Just because I want to have fun. You know, I'm, you're not going to get any... Uh, you know, there's no bells and whistles there. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you're not going to turn famous playing at the dime, yeah. but they let you do your thing there and you have a good time and, and that's what I'm there to do, you know? Yeah. Um, you have to find, you have to find that, that, that component to it because DJing is not always fun, it's a job. You know, you can't take it seriously because you're just playing someone else's records, but right. you have to take it seriously because the stakes are high. You can't just go in there and half-ass it. There used to be, a, there was a time when you can have a lot of fun, but now you really have to be on, you know, be on your toes. Yeah. Because we're talking about venues that will do a million dollars in a night. Right. They, they're not going to let you mess around. You said something I heard on a, in an interview. I think it was the uh, Reflections of a DJ podcast. Okay. Okay. Um, you said, uh, I love DJing and it sucks. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, Explain yourself. Oh, well, I'll, 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 I will, in the last four or five years, I've... Uh, pulled away from DJing. Mm. I started a real estate development company, so oh, I'm super focused on that. Um, and I, the reason why, why I did that for a few reasons. One, the opportunity presented itself and I couldn't pass it up. Yeah. Um, two, I wasn't satisfied with DJing <coughs> anymore. Um, Graham is really good at separating himself from the, from the job. Like mm. The job is I have to play these shitty records for these shitty people and then I have to collect the shitty check. I wouldn't use that, <laughs> yes. those adjectives. Yes. Is that what's whatever. on your business card? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I play your shitty records well, my, for shitty my, people. It says, uh, I played bad music well. That's always been yeah, my, so my he, phrase. You know? So he's really good at that. I can't do that. Yeah. I could never, it's like, look, this is what I do. If you don't want to hire me for what I do, yeah. then don't hire me. Um, so I wasn't satisfied anymore, so I started doing the thing, the real estate thing. Um, in stepping away from it and not having to do it, I fell in love with it again. Yeah. So um, it That's was. Great. It was really. It was really bad for a, for a while for me, uh, resenting it, and mm-hmm. the fact that I was resenting something that I loved so much made me even more upset, yeah, and yeah. more depressed. Um, but now, now I'm like back in. You know, I'm playing and I'm having fun. Even the shit gigs, even the gigs that I'm like, 
this is gonna fucking suck. Like, you know what? Could be worse. Right. Could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. What was the, what brought you back into it? Well, I never like really left. I would say Migos. Yeah. Definitely Migos. Uh, no, I never, I, I never was like out. Like I'm done. Let me, let me have a. a Did you have a going away party? Yeah, there was no going away party. There's no press conference. Like uh, I'm here to let you know that Stone Rock is retiring. Um, uh, there was par- like a massive applause. Yeah, part, partially because I'm his partner, right. and if I quit, then they're gonna assume that yeah. he quit and the captains are done, right? So it was. It was Unless de- you stage a beef and like a we could, uh, yeah. whole thing. Uh, so, uh, so it, it like a, like those wrestling beefs. Yeah, when like the British bulldogs have to <laughs> yeah. fight each other. <laughs> like they, exactly. The, uh, so so by design, I never quit. Yeah. But I definitely like slowed way down. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I just kept working. And he keeps yeah. working, and you know, like I said, he can he can go do the job, whereas I want to do my thing. I yeah. go do them all. His his schedule's more refined to what he's going to find enjoyment, and then when they have us both, when it can be afforded. Um, we go do that. Yeah. It's not always us together because that is expensive. It's more yeah. expensive. Sure. Um, uh, so it just, you know, again, back to compartmentalizing. That's yeah. exactly what it is. You know? So so let's talk about that for a minute. So you're, you're the captains uh-huh. now, and it's the two of you. But, you know, I know in the past, you know, you've had more of a collective. We had a collective in um, the... Uh, you know, uh, mid two thousands with some DJs that people may have heard of, but this was an experiment. You know, there was obviously DJ Cruz. There was, uh, the ex executioners, X men, uh, scratch pickles. Um, what, what, what they became, uh, what did the X men become? They became, they had to change their name. I don't know. Isn't it executioners, right? It is executioners, right? Yeah. Yeah. Executioners, man, I need more coffee. Um, I'm a real estate developer. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There was DJ. Yeah, there's DJ. This wasn't what we were focused on. We weren't trying to do a routine. Right. We wanted to create branding opportunities, which we did. Uh Um, So. uh, It's power in numbers. Yeah. Well, especially if you can like um, account for the 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 quality of everybody involved. Now I think these days you look at some of the rosters, the DJ rosters, and I go, okay, well, I can't, I'm not going to, you can't vouch for most of these people. The roster we're on, it's small enough where I'm like, everybody's solid. There's no weak link there. But some places we've been before, um, you know, at this point, they grow so big, you go, oh, I don't even know who this person is. I'm not going to say yes or no. But, um, yeah, early on, there's just six of us. Yeah. And it was really about um, taking what we were doing in Las Vegas and taking it to different cities. And the, the, the clubs that were smart in those other cities, these smaller markets that you wouldn't consider a nightlife market, yeah, they know that people in, as an example, Kansas City, that maybe someone in Kansas City is gonna save up all year for his Vegas trip. So why not import all the components of the Vegas trip every week and pick their pocket? Sure. Bring in the Vegas DJ, put the velvet rope out front, make yeah. it a thing. Yeah, make it feel. Have the bottle service. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these smart clubs did. They were just like ahead of the curve. Yeah. And um, so we were trying to import the branding, uh, ride that same wave, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it came from. But, of course, you know, you had six guys that were, you know, on the rise. And so I, w- I don't want to say egos got in the way because that really wasn't wasn't what it was. But it was, you know, for lack of a better word, 
everybody just wanting to do their own thing. So it wasn't work, wasn't meshing the way it should. And there were some other outside. Factors. I mean, also, also, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to sell invisible. And we, we, Graham and I, uh, uh, when we envisioned this, we were trying to create something from nothing. So when you have mm -hmm. guys who um, aren't very... Um, Not like-minded in terms of the, the vision. Yes. You know, like yeah. some guys yeah, they, are still it, stuck in like, I want to DJ and collect shoes. Which yeah, I'm, sure. You know. uh, it's, it's, it, it was hard for them to be like, okay, I see what you guys want to do. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, they were just like, okay, this is safe. This is where the money is coming from right now. So I'm going to stick with this thing. Which was which was not the crew, which is yeah. fine, and we're still friends with everyone, almost sure. everyone, and um, uh, so at that point, when it kind of imploded, we were like, "Well, we're the brains and looks of the operation, so let's mm. just do our own fucking thing." Yeah, and that's the rise of the captains of industry. And then and we, oh, I mean, I I just think you know, partnerships are incredibly difficult, especially yeah. six ways, and yeah. you, no matter how you, you know. No matter how you put that together, six guys in a room trying to make a decision or trying to go well, I mean, in the same if, direction, if you take, it's just hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see bands implode, obviously, and that's because yeah. they started started early <coughs> on, and uh, no one expects, well, they might expect it, but you can't guarantee that any success, right? Of course. And even later on, those same bands, when they have other guys come in, there's a resentment yeah. there, too, because this person wasn't from, <coughs> you can't win, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But, I mean, you take something like the Rand Corporation. Everybody in the Rand Corporation knows what they're doing there, right? right. Like, it exists, and you bring in the people who can service that. So, yeah. uh, we didn't have that. We just had to, like, after the experiment, as I call it, uh, we were like, okay, well, we know how to do this. Let's go do it. And from that, I don't remember doing any, well, no, we did a, I think the only promo item we did with, with the original crew, the Abe Froman Showman, was a Christmas card, yeah. which was fun. Yeah. But um, I think the, the real branding stuff, didn't begin until the captains until the captains yeah, yeah. so when you when you when that happened when you when you come back just just the two of you and you form the captains like was there thought about or did you guys discuss like well what does this partnership look like and who does what and how do we i think was we were that too wrapped up there was so much work at the time yeah, yeah. that we were I mean, in fact we started taking on other djs like under our wing we, uh -huh. we brought in a third partner um who is not a dj she worked at playboy just to kind of do the administrative stuff and be yeah. like the face and do the emails and stuff we started bringing on djs that we could vouch for because there was so much work yeah um and uh, that got to be too much for us at some point but I, I don't think we had a vision you know if that's what you're asking of what it could be or what it should be or what needed to happen yeah. we were so busy just it was like a 24 in. hour day job in addition to traveling seven days a week at that point yeah to be like, okay, well, here's here's the administrative parts that need to happen, you know? Right. Um, and plus, like, who would have thought that DJing would get to the level that it is, you know? Nobody. Like, nobody. You <laughs> know, I mean, I was in my 20s. I, I left college. I was pre-med in college. I left college, and I'm like, eh, I want to do this DJ thing now because I don't want to be DJing yeah. when I'm 30. Yeah. And then next thing you know, I've got a business partner. I've got another business partner. We have a management company. We're doing the thing. We're doing the other. It's like... Yo, this is a lot. This this turned into yeah, a lot no really fast. Cognitive yeah. decision where it's like, okay, well, this is what I want to do, and like, let's go for it. Yeah. Because. And that might be why we don't have exist. a TV show, a movie deal with Sony, a radio show, and all the things that we should have at sure. this point in our lives. Because there was no, um, 
we were just kind of like, what's the best decision right now and what's going to get us the over, over there where we can see? Like we yeah. weren't, it was just, it was, we were too busy and we were just too focused on what we can see. Yeah. Not, no, I get it. Yeah. But DJs from the past, you know, guys that like made a name for themselves or made some waves in like the 80s and 90s. The obvious pivot from DJing yeah. was to become an ANR person, which that doesn't right. even exist anymore for right. all intents and purposes, right? Way, yeah. So there's no guarantee that guys that are successful DJs will suddenly get a job at a record label finding talent that doesn't exist anymore. So, right. what about was, like? Uh, so I know you you had some you were doing some bootlegs with DJ XL. Yeah, we you know like so I, he was just on the show by the way. Oh, was he really? No, no kidding. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah. Talented, talented kid, nice dude. Yeah. Um, so, was that something you guys ever explored? Was was production no, only in for the mix CDs, which obviously yeah. carried way more currency, you know, <coughs> in the past than they do now. Now people just expect it, you know. Yeah. Um, but there was a time. I mean, we did a we did a couple tours off mix CDs, you yeah. know, with corporate sponsors, Reebok, yeah. OK Magazine. Yeah. That's just not going to happen anymore. No one's going to put up money to do that. No. But in terms of production, I mean, um, yeah, that's that is the way in now. If you want to DJ and make a name now, you have to come with production. Right. They, you're not going to have an opportunity to come up as a good DJ because that doesn't mean anything anymore. But yeah, it was never a, a, a big focus of ours, like producing music. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, um, at least I've always found that you're either a good producer or you're a good DJ. You can't do both. Yeah. Because one is, one is uh, like very three-dimensional yeah. DJing, yeah. and the other is just flat on a screen. Yeah. Let me let me just look left to right and make this thing happen. Um, so they don't complement one another. That's why uh, you have like a guy, I don't know, whoever, whatever one of these EDM guys are, they can't actually do any proper DJing right. or any um, uh, interesting mixing or anything like that because that's not where their brain is. Their brain mm -hmm. is over there making the records. I mean, it's so, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, I've had a bunch of guys in, in those chairs that are that are doing both, you know, to varying degrees of success. And, it, <clears throat> you know, I feel like that is such a uh, a path that a lot of people go down, right, as they start as DJs. And then they, you know, they've seen now the Bob Sinclairs or uh -huh. the Calvin Harris's or whoever. And so that's the path. But I agree. I don't think that's the same skill set. No, at all. not at all. Like if you're if you're an actor, you can easily transition to director and then back to actor because they complement one another. But but producing music right. and DJing for some reason they there's no there's no straight line between yeah. them. Yeah. Um, which I wish. There and I was. think it comes from an old you know, if you were a Grandmaster Flash and you're in the studio making a record and then you go to the Roxy that night and drop it, then that's, you're going to break that record in New York, right? And yeah. that was the mentality is like, you know, if you're a Funkmaster Flex and you make this record and you put it on at the tunnel that night, like your audience is going to hear it. It's going to get on the, you know, Hot 97. Taking cues from the DJ in the yeah. past and yeah. now you take your cues, the DJ takes the cues yeah. from the audience. That's exactly right. Um, you don't break records anymore. I mean, they push, they push stuff out way different. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, A-Track had said that um, the way they produce music now is 
It's a guy at a computer, doesn't play any instruments necessarily, but he can compose a song. And there's no other way for him to perform that song since he did it on a laptop than quote unquote right. DJing. So that's what they push them into, whether they can DJ or not, or right. have any stage presence. I mean, in fact, I've been to some of these festivals, and you're watching the main stage, this guy's pressing play, the song plays, it fades out, mm -hmm. and then he talks and he plays right. his next song. Like you're at a, like a, a, a house party in the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> like they're dancing and the record's over and the guy has to like, right. play the next one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what it is. It's almost like he's doing a listening party in yeah. front of 100,000 people and it's For a total sure. bummer. Um, but I mean, that he's right, A-track meaning. Yeah. Um, they have no, they, it's not like they, they can't get up there and play guitar. Yeah. So the only way to quote unquote perform their song as a quote unquote performer is quote unquote DJing. Right. You know? So maybe this is what you're talking about, but I read something you said that said, I let my worldview define the DJing. What the fuck does that mean? Well, I mean, uh, it means you can think outside the box. Like if this is something you do, whatever job you do, you're going to let um, the things that influence you or the things that motivate you or the things that inspire you uh, dictate your execution of yeah. whatever you're doing, whether you're an architect um, or you want to write a book, or you work at a fast food restaurant, you know, mm -hmm. um, you have to be able to make it your own. So for us, like, even the stuff that we did with, with branding, whatever, these are things that are influences of mine or things that I wanted to do. It wasn't like, okay, well, how do we best represent ourselves as disc jockeys? Because we certainly right. didn't do that with any of the presentation. <laughs> I mean, right. half the photo shoots are like, we're, we're hiring location managers like, uh -huh. to, to find locations right and hiring great photographers to do this stuff it wasn't none of it was half-assed so right. when i say my worldview i'm talking about everything that influences me and it applies to how i try and execute or manifest whatever i'm thinking so doing a photo shoot where we're doing like signing the declaration of independence or whatever it is yeah it, it was always it was always a uh we were driven to to break the mold of what it was because it didn't have to just be a photograph of a guy holding a record and holding his headphones and all this right. other corny shit it can be something else it's allowed to it's an expression it's a creative medium yeah it's interesting because i think you know all that stuff is just fun right and there's no reason it can't be fun well but no no there isn't and but i think you know when i think of you guys like you kind of blew up in this era when djing became all about fun yeah right and not that it wasn't fun before that but right. like it's probably more know, fun before just the perception is it's we, well i guess what i mean fun. is like you know there were a lot of rules right it, you you know you talked about like getting on the first time like that wasn't an easy thing because there was a barrier yeah yeah right yeah. and and there were you know if you played these records you'd lose the crowd or you'd like you know, whether you had to stick to a genre or you had to prove how underground you were or, or all this stuff, right? But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that that era, like late 90s, early, the, the kind of open format era was very much about, you could play any record as long as it's fun. As long as people are having fun, you can play the yeah. Joan Jett and, the, you know. Well, these, yeah, we talk about, some people say they invented open format, whatever you want to call it. 
this is cross, also the part where I would I'm name curious a name and that. then <laughs> cross genre, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. no one invented it. You of know, it, from the top down, people might say Mark Ronson on the East Coast, AM on the West Coast. Right. But the fact of the matter is, yeah. if you look at those markets, they were just servicing people who were in those venues, yeah. which ran the gamut. I mean, it had a, you know, a place in LA that you might have um, some hip hop guys a rock and roll star, a famous uh, music producer. Yeah, yeah. And you had to play for everybody. So it wasn't, it came out of necessity. It wasn't like someone was like, you know what? It would be great if I just started playing different genres. Right. It wasn't that. It was, you're servicing all of them so everybody has a great time. Yeah. And you're finding the through line which connects those, connects those songs. And that became a thing. And of course, everybody wants to take credit for the thing. But yeah. nobody can get credited with the thing. Adam 12 talked about, he, he didn't say he invented it, but he, he talked about playing these parties in the valley. He's just trying not to get beat up yeah, like no by the punk rock kids and the hip hop yeah. kids and whatever. Right. Everybody. And so you play a little something for everybody to keep them, keep them happy. Yeah. Well, which is the reason I don't want to uh, disparage DJs in other markets, but when it became the thing yeah. and I mean, we, we were solicited by Las Vegas when they started to sure. you know, build the venues to bring this, this style of music in. We'd go to these other cities and the clubs would have their DJs come watch yeah. and like try and get their hands on the Is music. Right? And, oh, yeah, wow. and yeah, yeah. you know, again, not that we were reinventing the wheel, we're uh -huh. just playing other people's music, but sure. like I said, it was developed out of necessity, yeah. became the way to do it, right. and then spread. No one invented sure. it and said that was a great but idea. But I remember that, I remember DJs you know, covering their, the labels, so yeah. AM mode on Serato, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it erases what you're playing. You know, exactly. It loads up and erases what you're playing exactly. for that very reason. But, um, yeah, they was, used to soak the labels off yeah. when I'm back on. I would, uh, I would, I went shop. I remember this. Uh, uh, I went shopping. I went record shopping with this kid once. Uh, he's, you know, I, was, I had already been doing the thing and whatever. And he's like, can I go record shopping with you? I was like, yeah, he's a young kid, whatever. So... I'm doing my thing, picking out records, he's picking out records, and he pulls out the Bengals' Hazy Shade of Winter. Mm. And I'm like, you do not know that record. Right. And he's like, he's like, no, but I saw you play it, so I figure I should have it. And I right. go, that's not how it works. Yeah. Like you have to know the record, then figure out how to play it, sure. and then you get to play it. You yeah. don't well, just you have to get influence from somewhere. Sure, but you know? but but he's buying it only because he recognized the the cover, yeah, not I because the song resonated with him. And he's like, man. I need to figure out how to play this record because it's a tight record. Right. Like to me, that's a tight record, and that's yeah. why I play it. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, man, that's a bummer. Now you gotta learn. In my formative DJ years, you know, when I was late '90s in San Francisco, there's a place called Nikki's Barbecue. Yeah, yeah. And I would on Thursday Spend nights, a lot of nights the, on the one guys, you know, Andrew, Andrew Jervis and Casper yeah. and them, I'd sit in the booth. I mean. The difference between Hazy Shade of Winter and the stuff that these guys are playing is like, I'm not going to readily find any of the stuff that right. these guys are playing. It's really yeah, it's rare, pretty rare records. Yeah. But, I mean, that's where I took a lot of influence from, like, paying attention to what they're playing, labels. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
you have to learn from somewhere. Yeah, I get it, but you can't do it just by replicating. But he, yeah, he wasn't learning. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't learning. Yeah, just anything. copying. He was just buying the record because he's re he he recognized the the uh, the record sleeve, yeah, no, and he's that. like, oh, I need to have this because he had it because he played it. So then I need to play it too. Sure. And then you know so, you, you you diminish my efforts because. So let me ask you something. I know you've you've restrained yourself a couple of times yeah. from mentioning names. Yeah. Um, Don't mention names. Uh, you know the problem with mentioning names is like one, it fires a, a bullet across the bow, which you might not yeah, want to yeah, do, yeah. but it also brings attention to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it, and that's why I always discourage him from. Totally. You know. Anyways. Go ahead. Proceed. No, my question is like I mean, I I, I get that, and and I I think. Uh, I, I tend to agree, but um, but also you know you're you're an outspoken uh -huh. person. I think there's a there's a value to that in today's world as well. Um, has that caused you problems? I uh, so uh, actually recently <laughs> we have one yes. silently nodding. Yeah, re <laughs> recently recently I I, I I thought about it and I'm like, man, I wonder if I wasn't such an asshole, if things would be different for us. Yeah. And then I think back to the one thing that Graham always says to people, and they're like, you know, your 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 DJ partner is a real fucking asshole. And he goes, you know what? You might not like the way he says the thing that he's saying, but he's not wrong. Right. And generally, I'm not. And yeah. anything that I say here, like if I say blah blah blah, fucking sucks, and and I'm gonna give you ten reasons why they suck. Yeah. Because I'm not just gonna make a statement and then not back it up. Right. If that guy was like, well, why did you say that? I go. Well, I gave you the reasons why. Right. Refute the refute the reasons. Yeah. And then prove to me that you don't suck. Yeah. And that's it. People are sensitive these People days. People are super sensitive. I mean, I loved I loved on uh, uh, you know, I do a little research for these, and, and I was looking. We on tried the, to send you the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, my email's not working. And we sent you. Bitcoin. Oh, is that what? So it's your it's your email. Yeah, I mean. We, oh, we were like, is it our email? No, like, we what's can't. Going on? No, it's. I uh, mean, if you'd received the emails, we sent you Bitcoin. I invited you to the Oscars. Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I saw on the on the Serato message boards after you guys put out Trabajo, there's like all this critique and back and forth and all that, and and I thought actually like, you know, you were really uh, humble about some of the stuff people i didn't i didn't see anybody like hating on it but yeah. some people liked it more than others and and i think you know you had a very honest dialogue with a lot of people about like hey this is what i did you may not like it i get it but here's where i'm coming yeah, like, from if you if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna say i didn't like it and these are the reasons why yeah then i'm gonna have a conversation with you right but if you're just gonna say oh that fucking sucks yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a scud missile at you Sure. Because, like, why? No, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's. I but mean, it's also it's also subjective, right? It's like, subjective. He exactly. might like it. Yeah, of course. You might not. Of course, and we all have okay. different tastes, and yeah. that's fine. Also, that was not our strongest uh, effort. That was the first time I ever did any sort of. Yeah, we just learned tape. Ableton. Yeah, you know? I just learned yeah. Ableton. Um, Everything had been live before that. This was, again, this goes back to production. Like the the CD, the mix CDs became a production. You know, right. like for we're sure. bringing instruments. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on on our last. The uh, one from last year, which was like the last one. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, you know, we bring we we go in and like record parts to like make it work. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And Mach yeah. Trabajo, we had to replay sections of songs that already exist to make the mix right because wow. otherwise, yeah, we would get noise or vocals or an instrument that we didn't want. It just yeah. needs to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. So I had to go figure out what whoever produced Shaka Khan ain't nobody. Mm -hmm. no.
Oh, that what? was from the last one. We yeah, went and yeah. found the Lindrums yeah, and redid I, really? her drum fills. Who, yeah. wow. who, who produced it? What did they use? Yeah. And how do I make that sound again? And amazing. then I had to reproduce the percussions of Shaka Khan Ain't Nobody. That's for, for literally like a drum roll. That's Only it. because we would be hung up on it yeah. if we didn't. But that's an amazing, like, that's an amazing thing that you're just saying right now. Like, I don't want to. It's the details. But, but it's, but also like, okay, on the one hand, you go to this like insane length to get everything just perfect. On the other hand, you put something out for your first time that's not 100%, but you, but you also have the balls to put that out. Yeah. Right. And not sit on it and say, oh, we can't. Like some people would let fear of rejection kind of stop them from that. And I, and I actually think like both of those are really important. Like being open to being imperfect is really important and also going to the lengths of getting all the details. Well, right. I imagine like anyone putting out their first album, they're so stupid and, and, uh, sure. and um, they don't have experience that they don't know that it's not perfect. But first albums are usually the best ones. The best ones, ones yeah. Because they're not, they don't live in because of that. they don't live in Bel Air and they're not in their house all day long. Yeah, sitting in because it's a re- it's a reflection of who yeah. you are, right? Which is imperfect, which is what we relate to in other human beings is, is imperfection. Um, and then you learn like, oh, it's supposed to have the reverb like this, or yeah. oh, the delay is supposed to be like this, or oh, mm-hmm. sharpen your sharpen yeah, your tools. and 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 then the thing gets better. Yeah. Um. So because you know. Oh, that's not right. This is right. Like that thing we did on the first one was not right. It yeah. When it went over fine, no one noticed. Well, but th- listen, we're doing the Lindrums. We're, two, we're two also, percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're also it. psychotic. Sure, like it's for us. It's yeah, no one. No one pays. That's how it should be. It. Yeah, it's for yes. us. All right. So you're giving up. a college lecture called "How to Get a Job Like Mine." It doesn't exist. I record a hit, record a hit single. Yeah. You can have a job like mine. I mean, that's what it's going to take at this point. Yeah. Well, okay. So you're guest lecturing at uh, DJ school. Okay. What, which we've done. We've gone to camp sure spinoff many times and talked to the kids yeah. every summer. What do you say? What do you, what do you want young DJs not, starting out I, today? What do you want them to learn from I you? I tell them, go to college, get a real education, do this as long as you love it. Yeah. And if something happens, it'll happen because you love it, yeah. not because uh, you're, 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 uh, you hire a publicist or you're dating someone famous. Or you're gonna, it's going to happen for you because sure. you love it. And if it doesn't happen for you, well, you have an engineering degree or you have an accounting degree or whatever. Or and real you can estate s- business. Or real estate business. Yeah. And you can still do it for 100 bucks at a bar in Burbank, but also right. your life is not ruined because you spent all this time trying to do this thing to achieve. That translates into just make sure you love to do it that's and it. forget about the, the other stuff. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. You, know? you yeah. can't tell 12-year-old kids not to do it. Right. Right? Because... They don't want to hear that. They want to hear. Maybe you should tell them to make cookie cutters. Yeah, make a cookie cutter. Make a captains of industry cookie cutter, which you'll I'll showcase on my Instagram shortly. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, the kids don't want to hear that. They don't yeah. want to. No, of course. You know, I was a kid. I know. Yeah. Don't tell me I can't do it. Yeah. Because then I want to do it more, and I'm going to resist anything you say after that. So of course, do it, but also understand that it's not easy. Yeah. Like like acting and photography and all these other anything that things. requires any creative endeavor that re- requires some work you know people don't understand right until it's too they just late. see the glory they just see the golden globes yeah they don't see yeah. all the work that went most into it creative before. endeavors end in 
disappointment, not, I wouldn't say end in disappointment, are fraught with disappointment and dead ends. Yeah. And it's about, you know, pushing through that stuff. So you're a motivational speaker. Not at all. I'm like, I'm a, like a social recluse. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if I get that. Well, I mean, I come alive when I'm put on the spot. Not unlike my dad. My dad's the same way. He'd rather just read a book. But, right. Um, uh, I w- yeah, there's no motivational speaking. I'm just, I just tell it like it is. I enjoy talking about DJing just as much as I love DJing. Yeah. Um, All right, I got to get to some questions. Are these uh, from Twitter? From your Twitter followers? Yeah, yeah. These okay, are perfect. these are uh, coming live this from one's Snapchat. From Tommy Laren. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, we always end with the same set of questions okay. for everyone, oh, so we'll good. see if you pass. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Wait, what? One decision that changed your life forever. Le- leaving college, being pre-med in college, leaving, and, well, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would say buying turntables, but that was going to happen Right. No matter what. Yeah, I think leaving college. Grand Funk. Uh, I, I, I don't even know. And the correct answer is meeting me. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that's for better or for worse. That's a tough... That's no, a he tough just said change your life. Yeah, it doesn't have to be for yeah. the better. I don't know. I finished college. I went to grad school. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, these are not... You're too well-adjusted for top this Top down, I can't pinpoint like, oh, well, at this point, this changed everything. There's lots of those... Over the course of your life, right? Was there a was there a quote unquote big break that like changed the game for you? There's a series of breaks. You're yeah. always looking for another big break. I'll say this: there's two people, nightlife operators, that if not for them, I probably would have not gone down this path. One is Ivan Kane, mm. who used to you know yeah, yeah. run the Hollywood scene, but I think uh, his spot is in Atlantic City now. But he took oh, me really? to Vegas. Yeah. Um, at a time when... What was that burlesque spot called? 40 Deuce. 40 Deuce. Which I worked yeah. at. Oh, and best. so did Stone. Yeah. It was a great club. Loved it. And when he was opening the club in Vegas, he was like, I want you to do it. And I yeah. got a contract and everything. Things right. that you wouldn't associate with DJing at that time. He took me to Vegas. So very much he played a part. And also Reggie McDonald, uh, who ran National yeah. in the early 2000s, which was the spot in the early yeah, 2000s. Yeah. But he was the GM and he really... Him and Rick Colomaro, rest in peace... Uh, they really rode for me, and like, even when promoters would come and say we want to use our guy, they would say, "Your guy's got one week. If he doesn't best Graham, then you know he's out. And Graham's back in." And every week, nice. You know, I'd, I'd take. They're like, "Just take the week off. You know what's going to happen." I go, "I know what's going to happen." Yeah. So yeah, Reggie McDonald, Ivan Kane, and Rick Colomaro, and there's been plenty since. But I'm sure. just saying, like, in the early years of DJing, it would certainly be them. I would have. It would have been a different direction if not for them. Yeah. Uh, complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. This is assuming I don't have talent. So Henry Rollins said, I don't have talent. I have tenacity. Okay. So what's your version of that? Um, uh, I don't have talent. These are tough questions. Yeah. I don't have talent. They are graded by the way. Uh, is that right? <laughs> sick. Morty failing. Yeah. Uh, I don't have talent. I have... Um, I, I have a bit of a, a sociopath streak in me. That's, that's the most original answer we've had. Which allows me to 
I think you, I think I think to be hyper successful in anything, you have to believe your own bullshit a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like totally. Like um, Steve Jobs couldn't do what he did if he didn't truly believe the stuff that he was saying to people. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, and I think that's that's a, tra- a trait of sociopath. Like sure. you have to believe your own bullshit. So I think I have a, just a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even have a catchy answer, but I do. Maybe you just have so much talent. Yeah, you're so talented. I don't even, but... I'll I'll answer for him. All right. I'll answer for him. Yeah. He doesn't have talent. He has an... an, He has pizza. He has pizza. (laughs) He has an unrelenting work ethic. Uh, I do. I I would say, I was going to say, and I didn't know how to phrase it, like, I do tend to persist. Yeah? Yeah. um, Against, uh, you know, like, again, these are... There's obstacles in creative endeavors. That's yeah. all there is to it. So it's not about like, I'm just going to like keep banging down the door until I succeed or whatever. It's not that. It's just, this is what we, what we do. Sure. So you keep, 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 keep it moving, we always say. All right, I'm going to go a little lighter. Uh, what's your favorite oh, city to travel to? Uh, well, t- for work or for hanging out? One of each. You know, I'll tell you this. We used to be on a Red Bull DJ team. Yeah. And um, which was a lot of fun. And they we might still be on a Red Bull DJ team. <laughs> that, well, we don't get that? checks anymore. How's that going? But we might still be on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. We never formally got got it, banned. They, uh, they did send us to a lot of markets that aren't nightlife markets. Yeah. But um, and that's not what I want to focus on. What I want to say is that they took us to Austria, which mm. is where they're headquartered in Salzburg. Yeah. And that was an amazing place and a great time. Yeah. Um. So it was fun DJing there because. They were just kind of open to everything. In sure. fact, uh, Scratch Bastard was with us, and we we're sitting backstage, and he goes, is Stone playing Expansions by Lonnie Liston Smith? And I'm like, he's playing Expansions? Like, they were just open to whatever, yeah. and, the, and the city is beautiful and small and clean, and there's there's rolling mountains and ice caverns and mm. ancient castles, uh, and then this, like, very modern element of, like, Red Bull headquarters, which is, like, a glass right. uh, airplane hangar. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. So when you say, what's your favorite city? I go, I don't know. There's, I yeah. love going to Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, there's a place I love going. Yeah. But if it, I'm going to pinpoint like a place that I had a great time. I'm going to say Salzburg because that was just a fun time in a beautiful place. Nice. Stone. He likes, uh, favorite city. He likes uh, Tijuana. I like Tijuana. <laughs> um, I would say uh, Marbella, Spain. Wow. But we didn't go work there. He didn't. Yeah, he, didn't he said it didn't matter. So, yeah, I know. But so, I'm a, that's a selfish question because I'm a traveler. I love to travel, yeah, and I'm always Spain. looking for just interesting places that I'm not. Those I've never been to either one of those. Uh, well, yeah, me, I'd never been to Salzburg either. Yeah, uh, but it, I'd love to go back. That was yeah. a good trip. That was that's a fun cool. trip. Yeah, I went to Salzburg and then we went to München afterwards. Yeah, we went to mm. München afterwards. Cool. That was a, a wonderful place too. Cool city. Germany's yeah. fun. Yeah. So if I worked for you guys, yes. what's something I would hear you say over and over? I've had people work for us. I'm not positive it's a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, my whole thing is like, and even with real estate, like uh, I had an uh, experience recently. Um, guys were hanging doors. Yeah. And there's 10 doors to hang. And eight of the 10 were perfect. Yeah. And two weren't. And I said, what happened here? He goes, I don't know. I go, well, obviously it's not because you don't know how to do it. Right. You did eight correctly yeah. and you did two incorrectly. So either you're fucking lazy or something happened. So which one is it? And, you know, he gave me a bunch of excuses. I said, okay, just fix it, make it perfect and be done with it. Yeah. And from now on, just do it right the first time. So then you don't have to redo it because yeah. now you're wasting time. Yeah. 
if you just spend the time that you spend the extra five minutes, right. you don't have to spend an extra 45 minutes redoing it. Just right. do it right the first time. That's it. Yeah. Until I remodeled my own place, I had no idea how many oh. corners are cut in I'm sure. construction. Yeah. And stuff. I'm it's, sure. And then I'm in hotels now, and I'm like, oh, that grout's messed up. Dude. <laughs> like they didn't caulk the the baseboards correctly. I mean, you, like, right. you start picking up on these little tiny things. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare. So I know you guys have played for a lot of famous people, a lot of, uh, you know, so many. I'm oh, sure. Wow. Um, <laughs> who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Like s someone who I don't already know is a fan of my work? No, maybe maybe there's someone that, that is you found out that you... Having fandom is a dangerous word. God damn it. I... I don't, um, I am so... These questions are not I'm so, up for debate. I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry and I'm so jaded that if someone was like, you're, like, you're a great DJ, I, my response what the, is... What are your qualifiers? Yeah, what you? qualifies you to make that <laughs> Who statement? Who asked you? Tell me you had a good time, right? Don't uh, tell okay. me that I'm a great DJ. Okay. Um, I get past, like, people pass us compliments from, you know, uh, people of note. Yeah. But And that's nice to hear or whatever, but again, like... It doesn't change how I do the job, so I don't get hung up on this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I will say one time, uh, I was DJing, and Heavy D came up, and he he just kept coming up. Yeah. He's like, man, this is so fun. I can't believe you're playing That's this stuff. stuff. You put these records together. And for someone who understands music like he did and put out so many good records, yeah. that to me was like, oh, wow, this one this one means something, you know what I mean? Mm. I think A.M. told me one time that Eric Sermon had come up to him and said the same thing, and That's cool. that made an impact on him. And imagine how many famous people that dude had been sure. around, you know? Yeah. But Eric Sermon, which I guarantee 90% yeah. of the famous people that he yeah, was around Eric, don't so. even know who Eric Sermon is. Right. Yeah. It's a good one. For Stone, it was, I'm not even going to go into it. Come on, come on, <laughs> come on. No, I was going to slight you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Do oh, okay. it. Okay. Come on. No, it's I mean, good now there's not even anything that's good. Okay. Now, that, now we can't even live up to it. Is there a book that's had the biggest impact on you? A book? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, I read over the years, uh, I've read The Great Gatsby many, many times. Mm. And this is prior to like them making yeah. the recent uh, popular movie. This is just something I read a lot. Mm -hmm. And every holiday season, I do read A Christmas Carol. Really? Yes. You're a traditionalist. I do. I just enjoy these books. I read a lot. I read every single night and every day on the airplane. What are you reading now? Um, I'm reading, actually, uh, the book that uh, Goodfellas was, was oh, adapted yeah. into, yeah. the uh, Nick Pelleggi book. Nice. Um, but recently, because we've been working on a book ourselves, I read Molly's Game and I read the Moby book, uh, oh, Porcelain. Yeah? This is in the last six weeks or so, yeah. which were interesting. Moby's Molly's Game? Yo, is, that, is that what it's called? Molly's Game? Is it Molly yeah. Ringwald? No, Molly. No, that, that poker. The poker chair. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah. Who worked at National, consequently. I had no idea. Oh, really? When I was there. Okay. But I had no idea it was the same person until I saw the movie and they had a fake National nightclub in the movie. Nice. Um, but, um, but I mean, I, I've read The Kid Stays in the Picture a million yeah, times. Yeah. I mean, I love so this book. Great. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of books. I, the Godfather's a great book. And The Godfather's a great book not because they made a great movie out of it, but. The parts that aren't in the movie make it great. I just read it last year, and I was—I mean, I seen the, the movie Johnny Fontaine 50 section times, is but like, yeah, awesome, yeah. right? Yeah, I was blown away that the book could be better than the movie. Right, that's what yeah. I always say. Yeah, and but the, isn't that always the case, though? Yeah, no, but you don't expect it from your favorite movie. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's fair. The Shining is not a, the book is not as good as the movie. Right. 
in my opinion. I've read The, sure. read the Shining. So it doesn't always happen that yeah. way. But that particular book, The Godfather, yeah. has so many parts that are not in the movie that are, that are great. Totally. You know? Yeah. But yeah, tons of reading. I mean, there's otherwise, uh, how do you broaden your mind if you're not How does the world view <laughs> That's right. dictate the DJing? That's right. Uh, I'm, not, if you don't I'm read. not positive The Godfather has influence maybe. On the DJ. Okay, so maybe since not. we're talking about movies, what uh, what movie have you seen the most in your life? Oh my God! Probably Goodfellas. Yeah, but not because it's the best movie ever. Yeah. Um, at one point in my life, I had I have to fall asleep with the TV on. Yeah. I had a TV with the VCR built in, mm -hmm. but I didn't have cable. Yeah. I didn't even have the antenna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only had VHS tape, and for some reason, I would only fall asleep to Goodfellas. Yeah. So I'd put the VHS tape in and I'd start Goodfellas and I'd watch it and then at some point I'd fall asleep. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And it was also the style of VCR that would rewind itself uh -huh. and then start over. <laughs> so it was just playing all night long and that's I would great. wake up to Goodfellas. Yeah. So it's, pro it's probably Goodfellas. That's great. I mean, that's a, that's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, yeah, but yeah, it's definitely course. not something like... No, no, I get it. I need to watch it 1,000 times well, in my life. I used to fall asleep to Alien until I realized that, like, the, the menu the menu page, uh -huh. it was like... Oh, on the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably having like, some messed up dreams. It my, my, my dreams. <laughs> I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. But uh, now I don't fall asleep to movies. What movie do you think you've seen the most? God, it, it, this question doesn't can't even, like... There's no answer for that. There's so many... I watch... You'll talk to an actress who's nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. You say, uh, what's your favorite movie? And they say, this, I've seen it like 10 times. I've seen crappy yeah, movies yeah, like 10 times. Yeah, like 100 times, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. Um, I watch All the President's Men a lot. Yeah. I watch Chinatown a lot. I watch Amadeus a lot. Um, Those are too good. Like, Yeah, they're great, But which is yeah. why, in fact, on airplanes, when I'm going to fall asleep, I have them on. I'm just listening to the dialogue. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, because it's so it's so good. Um but, um, yeah, people don't... Uh... But there is something about that. I'm the same way. Like, I need the TV on to fall asleep. I used to. I don't do it anymore. And it has to be, it has to be something that I'm semi-interested in. And, like, better... So, for me, the easiest, the fastest way to fall asleep is put on Seinfeld. Because I've seen it all. It's comforting. Yeah, like, it's got to be something you're familiar with. Yeah. So you're not engaged. Yeah, yeah. But, you can... but it can't be, like, something I don't like. Yeah, cause yeah. Then I'm, well, because yeah. that's going to engage you. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, so that makes that makes sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's too many movies for me to. I mean, I've seen s movies hun hundreds of times. Yeah. Blade Runner hundreds yeah. of times. I'm sure. You know, over and over again. It's, I watch the same movies over and over again. Uh -huh. I don't even watch new movies. Like my iPad just has like Ghost Rider, yeah. Ninth Gate, <laughs> Chinatown, All the President's Men, Sunset Boulevard. You know, they're the same movies over and over again. Yeah. That's back to that worldview. Who's your favorite DJ? This is another dangerous question. I know. Uh, Graham Funky. Ha <laughs> ha This is a dangerous, dangerous That's a question. sellout move right there. Um, I, I, I will say this. Uh, since I was no, just, it's okay. I, I, just, since I was just on his podcast, and I actually didn't get to say it on his podcast, which I wanted to. Um, Crooked is one of my favorite DJs. Yeah, he's great. That's okay. what I'm saying. There's no, it's dangerous to, to, to it, it, you, you can have appreciation of your peers. And I always, I precurse that. And then say Riz, Melody, uh -huh. and Jazzy Jeff, uh -huh. which, in my opinion, are, yeah. are the best. But I mean, you can have more than one. I just, of course, you know. Uh, but it's difficult to say, okay, well, I'm a, you know, this guy's my favorite DJ because right. there's so many good ones and so many bad ones, but so many good ones. Who, 
uh, who have you seen? Who's who's surprised you? DJ wise, yeah. Um, I mean, I like the story of Bobby French a lot. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I, I he was the maitre d at uh, La Scala in Beverly Hills. No way. Yeah, and he was like a young kid and yeah. super nice, and uh, I think he knew who I was when I would go there. And then, do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you know who I am? Give me a table. Um, and one day he like slid a CD to me, and he was like, "Yeah, I made this CD. I guess there was like a Mark Ronson uh, come on tour with me competition." Oh, okay. I think the one spider oh, one. Yeah, yeah Rockstar of Energy. Something, drink or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, I submitted this for that Ronson thing. I was like, all right, cool. And no one really hands me mixtapes. And like, I don't take myself so seriously that I'm like, of course you handed me a mixtape. I'm Stunrock. Um, so I took the CD and I listened to it. And I'm like, this is fucking dope. Yeah. So then I, when I went back, um, I was like, hey, where do you work? He's like, I don't really work. I go, how do you not really work? Like, that mixtape is really dope. Yeah. And he was one of the dudes that we took on when we had the management company. Because um, I was like, you need to be working. Because, like, you get it. Like, yeah. you understand what needs to happen. Not that a one-hour mixtape translates to a four-hour set sure, ever. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you, but the, the mixtape was done so well, and it was live, yeah. um, that I'm like, okay, this guy has to get it. Like, he has to know what needs to happen. And sure enough, he did. And now he's... Doing his he thing. He does his thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So that was fun. That's cool. Yeah. Plucked him out of obscurity yeah, amongst yeah. other guys. Cause of course. Stunner, he likes the star maker. Yeah. A star is born. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Thank you guys for doing this, man. This is fun. Oh, man, this yeah. has been fun to uh, chat I'm bummed about that gonna, they're going to kick us out of here because I could, I could talk about this shit all day. Yeah, yeah that's usually what it comes we'll down to. We'll just do a part like, two. Yeah. Let's do it. A quarterly part. Quarterly yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love to. The so what have you guys to. been up to? The captain's quarter. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's going on? What's next? Um, I have I have a lunch meeting with okay. some, <laughs> with some uh, 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 real estate agents. What are you going to order? Uh, I don't know. There you I'm go. having dinner with Pasquale Rotella tonight. I'm nice. sure you know him. I do. What are you eating? Uh, we're having Italian, obviously. Obviously. Um, well, it's either that or vegan these days, I think. Oh, really? On his yeah, end. Yeah. Um, Would you question like yeah. what's next for the day, no, or what's general. next? Kind of the captains of industry. <laughs> I mean, we're, like, we're, we're writing like, a book. We're trying yeah. to write a book. Um, we've been trying to get a TV show for a little while, not because we want a TV show or we think we should have one, but because everyone told us we should have one. We should definitely and, have one. And now we're like, yeah, we should have a fucking TV show. Yeah. Um, so uh, it turns out that the path of least resistance to getting a TV show here's the secret sauce, listeners, uh, is to write a book. Nice. So we're writing a book. And we always wanted to write a book. Most of our listeners are authors, so they're definitely... Uh, they're in that's, the book club. That's valuable. Yeah. yeah. Rebel Radio book um, club. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so so uh, we always wanted to have a book, but we always thought it was uh, um, television first. Right. Uh, get some... get Catch a little... Get canceled, then you write get, a book about yeah, that. Exactly. And then yeah. here's the story. That's the second book. Yeah. So... Uh, the second book. But apparently we've got to write the book first, so we're writing the fucking book. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Try to not make it too esoteric to DJing, you know? Right. Try to make it uh, interesting to read, like Kitchen Confidential, perhaps. Right. You know, yeah. we're kind of like, I mean, because I hate food, um, it, but that's an interesting book to read, you know? Yeah, like you want, uh, I want my dad to be able to read it and go, oh, okay, I get it. How does somebody hate food? I mean, I'm just not passionate about it. My brother's oh, okay. like a gourmet yes. chef, but I'm like, There's eh. so much we can get into. Grandma only eats 11 things. Is that right? 
Yes. Oh, that's not true. That's like that, my son. That's beyond true. I don't know if that's true. Now but, it's 12 because I can include white rice. I've always liked white rice. White rice is the best. Um, all right, and how does everybody find the captains online? Uh, captains of the captains. You might catch him on all reruns of To Catch a Predator. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you TiVo To Catch a Predator, you'll see me on there three times. Um, no, thecaptainsofindustry.com on Twitter, Instagram, uh, or at, at the, the caps, C A P T S. Um, I'm at Stone Rock. He's at Graham Funky, F U N K E. Yeah, Funke. 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 Um, and yeah, that's it. Dope. Yeah. Or find us on the streets. Or find yes. us on the streets. We'll look for you at a construction site. Yeah. Come say what's up. Yeah, why not? Get an autograph. I'll be the guy yelling in Espanol to everyone. <laughs> Rebel Radio, Captains of Industry, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, make sure you hit us on Twitter or Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. And uh, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>